Seventh Horcrux by Emerald Ashes Read by Sam Gabriel Based on the works of J.K. Rowling Chapter 7 Harry Potter vs. Dolores Umbridge I was two months into my latest attempt at brewing Felix Felicis when my home fell on its side. Gah! I cried, vanishing the potion from my robes and the floor before it started eating its way through again. I got up, unlatched the entryway, and crawled onto the floor outside. What is the meaning of this? I said, staggering to my feet. Hermione didn't even look up from her book. Your trunk fell off the shelf. I hastily took in my surroundings. Hermione sat primly on a seat, reading this year's charms textbook. Meanwhile, Ron, Ginevra, Luna, and Longbottom were playing a particularly volatile game of exploding snap. We're on the train. Of course we are, Ginevra said. Why didn't anyone inform me that we were returning to Hogwarts? I snapped. Luna crawled away from the game, peering into my trunk curiously. Ron said, We couldn't get in to tell you. You locked us out. Of course I did. You kept trying to steal me from my bed. I waved my hands around in frustration. Hermione flipped a page in her book. To protect you. And I locked it in order to protect myself from you. I accurate my wand, sick of gesturing like a muggle. You don't have a flu in there. How are we supposed to get you? Ron said. Have you ever heard of knocking? Luna looked in my general direction. Do you mind if I go inside? Yes, go ahead. I waved my wand dismissively. Ron gaped. What? She's allowed to go inside, but we're not? She has yet to attempt a kidnapping, I said. Ginevra beamed up from her continued game with Longbottom. Oh, I haven't tried to kidnap you yet, Harry. Yes, I just don't want you in my home, I said. Longbottom opened his mouth, glanced at the wand still in my hand, and shot it again. I don't think I would like living in here very much, Luna called from my trunk. It's not very cozy, and it's rather cold. Heat disrupts the brewing process. I glared at Hermione because this latest incident was almost certainly the result of her vengeance. Which reminds me, you ruined three months of work. She groaned. You're not seriously trying to make Felix Felicius again? I figured out the secret to making the most potent batch in existence, I declared. Hermione pursed her lips. You'll be lucky if you can make it at all. That's a very advanced potion, Harry. Most potions masters can't even brew it. Exactly. Excuse me. It takes incredible luck for anyone to successfully brew it. I suspect that luck is actually an ingredient. The insane amount of luck necessary for me to do it would therefore add to the quality of the potion. In fact, it may actually be stealing my luck for later use, thus leading to my many failures. Harry, Hermione said, that's stupid and just the sort of thing that magic does, Ginevra cried. She's got you there, Hermione. Ron said. Longbottom mumbled. Makes more sense than potions usually does. Ginevra sat up, an uncomfortably large portion of her face taken over by a smile. You should tell Snape about this. It might completely change potion making, or at least make the class slightly less boring. Uh, no, that seems like a bad idea. Snape doesn't like me. Also, more people who are not me would have access to liquid luck, which would be terrible. I guess I could tell him for you if you wanted, she said. I condescendingly tapped her on the head with my wand, snatching it back when she leaned into the touch. 
If I wasn't careful, I'd have another Bellatrix on my hands. Let me rephrase that. Snape hates all of us. Luna's voice drifted out of my trunk. Harry? I amended my previous statement. Except for Luna. I don't know how he treats Ravenclaws. Only slightly better than Hufflepuffs, Ginevra chirped. Luna's voice was fainter this time. Harry? I'm lost. Hermione nervously stroked her wand, muttering, Harry, why do you have a shield charm up? I glanced around the great hall. There were no eavesdroppers at the moment, aside from Ginevra. Put yours up. Ron, hide behind Hermione. Ginevra, hide behind Ron. Obstinate as ever, all three cast separate shields. I growled in annoyance. Hermione frowned. No, seriously, why are we doing this? They're watching. Who are they? Ginevra asked, voice dropping to match mine. The other students. I think they're preparing an attack. It wouldn't be the first time. Hermione dropped her charm and said, They're just curious. I sense anger, and I very rarely get that one wrong. I glanced at an errant Hufflepuff who had the gall to glare back. They were rebelling, just as I always knew they would. I guess some of them might be riled up by the papers. They've been pretty bad about you lately, what with Dumbledore saying you know who's back, Ron said. I raised an eyebrow. And I was not informed of this because, Hermione said, in a trunk, besides Rita Skeeter. Wait, didn't we kill her? I exclaimed. Hermione winced. No, Harry, we didn't kill her. No, no, I remember this specifically. You were trying to starve her to death, and I said that was too evil. We were going to take her out some other way, though. Just what have you been doing all summer? An obnoxious Gryffindor said, A murderer, too. Wait until my ma hears about this. Of course, we all knew you were a crazy attention-seeking liar. Hermione pursed her lips thoughtfully. Harry is all of those things, but rarely at the same time. Also, he's my best mate, Ron said. It doesn't matter how true your insults are. I'm hexing you for having a go at him. I'll help, Ginevra squealed. I raised a hand. Down, Weasleys, I can handle this. They reluctantly acquiesced. I stared at the Gryffindor through my shimmering shield charm. Tell me, have I ever been quoted as saying that Lord Voldemort is back? Have you ever seen me say that? Am I, am I saying it now? He appeared confused. So you're saying he isn't, then? I chuckled. I wouldn't go that far. I certainly saw some snake-like man burst from a cauldron. However, I cannot say with certainty that he was Voldemort. I've never even seen a photograph of the man. There aren't many of them around, and they're almost never in the history books, Hermione said. Ron snorted. Not surprising, is it? It's bloody creepy when he smiles and waves at you. I've always loved having my picture taken. The Gryffindor cleared his throat. But Dumbledore said that you said that Voldemort was back. Dumbledore is clearly trying to manipulate you all. I am neutral on the Voldemort issue. Tell all of your friends. The Gryffindor, still looking dazed, wandered off. Ron nodded, standing tall as though he had just chased the boy away single-handedly. Hermione said, That should quiet some of the louder Gryffindors. I quirked an eyebrow. You're in your trunk, Ginevra said. I sighed. Trust Dumbledore to sabotage my reputation. The redhead tapped her chin thoughtfully. Well, he hasn't done a very good job. The Gryffindors are mostly behind you already. The Hufflepuffs think you're lying, but you insult them in public, so you never stood a chance there. The Ravenclaws, who are lucid enough to understand what's going on, are reserving judgment, and the Slytherins believe you because Voldemort killed most of their parents. I hummed thoughtfully. Yes, I suppose we have that in common. I stared at my folded hands, Dumbledore's phoenix burning my face as it crept ever closer. 
So I think your bird is hissing at me. Because he likes you, my boy, Dumbledore said. The phoenix slowly backed away. A quick glance showed that its beady black eyes still watched my every move. You said the same thing about Snape. They're both rather unconventional in showing their fondness, he said. I've often wondered if Dumbledore was attempting to orchestrate my death through negligence. Dumbledore steepled his fingers, leaning forward. Do you know why I called you here today, Harry? I spoke very quickly. Is it because I publicly denounced you in front of the entire student body? The old man looked surprised for a moment, an obvious act, before coughing. I may wish to speak of that later, but no. Did you hear about the break-in at the Ministry of Magic this summer? No, I said, thinking of the prophecy orb which now served as a makeshift lamp in my trunk. Why would I know anything about the Ministry? I don't keep up with politics. You should tell me about it. The details don't matter, he said. What you need to understand is that Voldemort broke into the Ministry to steal something very important— something that concerns you both, a prophecy. I tried to channel my inner Ron. We read about those in Divination, I think. Don't they tell the future or something? They do indeed. The prophecy concerns Voldemort and yourself. I heard it many years ago, and it seems that Voldemort now knows it. I believe it is time that you do as well. I frowned. I'm confused. Why am I always the last to know about these things? I was trying to protect your innocence. How would a normal fifteen-year-old respond to that? Hermione would write a book report. Ron would turn red and start sputtering. Halfway would go brush his hair or something. I gave up that line of thought and shrugged, because scoffing seemed suspicious. Smiling, Dumbledore prepared a pensive and showed me his memory of Trelawney's prophecy. As I swirled back into the real world, I asked, "'Are you sure that this is genuine? This is Trelawney we're talking about here.' According to her, I'm supposed to have died six times by now. I know, she usually gives dates. I'm quite certain of its validity. I shivered at the thought of what disturbing rituals Dumbledore had performed to satisfy him of this. I shook myself, turning to brighter topics. So I have to kill Voldemort, then? Perhaps, Dumbledore said, as noncommittal as ever. Or perhaps you might defeat him with love. I snorted. Fire doesn't kill everything, Headmaster. Wait, I have a brilliant idea. Oh, yes? he asked. I widened my eyes, which I could imagine shining with excitement. Could you teach me your dark magic? The phoenix dived for my head. It was a typical evening in the Gryffindor common room. Hermione was polishing off the tenth page of our five-page charms essay. Ron was thrashing Longbottom in chess, an accomplishment that was more embarrassing than impressive, and Ginevra was by the fireplace pretending to have other friends. Dumbledore won't talk to me. I grumbled. This would usually be a good thing, but now I had no idea what he was plotting. Hermione rolled her eyes. Well, maybe you shouldn't have asked him for his dark magic. I'll admit that might have been rude, I conceded. But he just told me that I had to kill Lord Voldemort, and really, it's very selfish of him to hoard it. He doesn't even have an heir. Ron looked up from the chessboard where his knight was busy decapitating Longbottom's queen. He said, Mate, Dumbledore isn't evil. I never said Dumbledore was evil. Implied, yes, but I'm trying to state it. Absolutely not. Everyone knows the portraits spy for him. I continued, Besides, that has nothing to do with this conversation. Hermione got a queer look on her face and asked, Harry, just what do you think dark magic is? I snorted. Secret magic retained within a family, obviously. That's why they call it dark magic. It's kept in the dark where very few people get to see it. I thought that it was just evil magic, Ron said. Like spells that make people's eyeballs explode and stuff. Well, of course, it's mostly that. 
If I invented a spell that made eyeballs explode, I wouldn't tell everyone about it. People would start asking awkward questions like, why would you make something like that? And what's wrong with you? And are you the person going around exploding people's eyeballs? Then they would start to use it on you, or they'd come up with a counter-curse, ruining the whole point of inventing it in the first place. Actually, that's where most of the spells we learn in class come from. Petrificus Totalis, for instance. Hermione huffed. That's ridiculous. Petrificus Totalis is perfectly harmless. I said, oh, sure, it's all good fun now that everyone knows the counterspell, but no one was laughing when the Parkinsons used it to bury their political enemies alive. Hermione gasped, hands flying up to cup her mouth and charms assignment forgotten on her lap. That's horrible. Magic usually is, I said, but dark magic isn't any more evil than the rest, it's just very exclusive. A light of understanding weakly lit within Ron Weasley's eyes. So when you said that my family had dark magic... I assumed that during your nine hundred year history, at least one of your ancestors invented a spell and then didn't go out and tell everyone, I asked. Ginny is an evil, then? Ron said. I paused, thinking for a moment. I'm not sure. Only one way to find out, I suppose. What? I turned towards the fireplace and shouted, Ginevra, Hermione is recruiting for her dark army. Would you like to join? Ginevra appeared thoughtful. Are you going to join? I haven't decided yet, I admitted. Let me know when you do. She nodded decisively, then turned back to her previous conversation. I said to Ron, See, she's less evil than Hermione. I'm not evil, Hermione said. I chuckled. Then we have nothing to worry about. Ron frowned. Someone should probably let Dumbledore know that Harry isn't evil either. Him, him, Umbridge him, hemmed. I turned most potent potions to page 412. Him, him. A flick of my wand sent three small fires dancing atop my desk. I glanced up disdainfully at her toad-like face. What is it? Can you tell me, Mr. Potter, why a cauldron is on top of your desk? I frowned, adjusting it slightly so that the fires evenly heated its pewter sides. Felix Felicis is very sensitive to altitudes. This isn't ideal, but it'll have to do. She pursed her lips so that they looked a bit like a duck's bill. And why aren't you reading your textbook? I already did that, I said. In this class, we read the textbook, she said slowly, smiling as if I couldn't sense her evil intentions. Yes, which is why everyone hates your class, I turned around to the seat behind me. Right, Hermione? Harry, you can't say things like that to professors. I turned triumphantly back to Umbridge. If she didn't hate your class, she would have said so. For instance, she'll never accept that potions might as well be self-study. Hermione huffed. Potions is a perfectly reasonable subject, which requires a teacher to ensure its student safety. See, we all hate your class. I would blame the curriculum, but I don't think we have one of those. You're just a terrible teacher. Her chest heaved up and down in fury. How dare you! It's not just me. Snape agrees, and he should know. He's a terrible teacher, too. Umbridge said, I have absolutely no interest in the opinions of a half-breed werewolf. I laughed at her idiocy. Snape is a full werewolf. There's no such thing as a half-werewolf. And you would know that if you knew anything about your subject. Detention, Mr. Potter! She cried. I glared. Fine, we'll talk about werewolves. Maybe you'll even learn something. But the only way to seal a werewolf bite is with a mixture of powdered silver and dittany. Mind you, it doesn't do much good against— Umbridge interrupted, and I was suddenly quite certain that she hadn't been listening at all. Your detention would be very simple. You will write, I must not interrupt class. There wasn't a class to interrupt. You will write it as many times as it takes 
to sink in, she said tightly, pulling out a thin black quill. I gestured wildly with my wand. It's sunken. Can I go? Five hundred lines, then, she said. I sighed and gustily took the quill. I was aware that arguing would only irritate her further, a secondary goal, but I knew a blood quill when I saw one, and that complaint had given me just enough time to cast an invisible glove charm, most commonly used by potions masters. You see, a blood quill is always attached to the last person whose skin touched it. In this case, Professor Umbridge. I smirked and wrote the first line. Umbridge yelped. I wrote the second. Mr. Potter! I wrote the third, humming merrily under my breath. Stop that! Stop that right this instant! Umbridge shrieked. I looked up from the parchment, absent-mindedly doodling. What is it, Professor? She trembled with rage, clutching her injured hand. Give me the quill! I smiled congenially. Are you bleeding? She got you in for detention again? I figured you'd have scared her off already, Ron said, lounging in a chair near the common room fireplace. Honestly, Hermione huffed. This wouldn't happen if you didn't keep antagonizing her. You think she's terrible, too, I pointed out. Yes, but I don't tell her that. I stared at Hermione, stunned by her selfishness and cowardice. Then how is she supposed to know? Ron said. She probably already does, mate. No, she could not possibly know how awful she is and then do nothing about it. She's worse than Quirrell. She's even worse than Bins. At least he does just duel in the back of the classroom. Hermione said, You can't keep doing that, by the way. It's disrespectful. Bins doesn't mind, I said. She curled her fingers into fists. He doesn't notice. I nodded. Exactly. Bins doesn't stop us from learning. He doesn't encourage it either, mind you. I've been turning in the same essay every month and I get the same grade every time. That's cheating! Hermione said, as if she didn't do worse things on a daily basis. Pins doesn't think so. Ron appeared awestruck. That's brilliant. Hermione scowled at him, and he hurriedly added, But you shouldn't do that. I said, Why not? You essentially don't have a teacher for that class. I might as well enjoy the advantages. Regardless, Umbridge is actively ruining our ability to learn. You of all people should be upset about that. You'll fail your owls. Ginevra giggled in the corner, calling out, I would pay to see that. It would just be so weird. Hermione's eyes widened until she resembled a house-elf. You're right. We we need to do something about this. A study group, maybe. Um, You and Ron will be in it, of course. Neville, too, and I imagine Ginevra will want to join. I do. So that makes five of us, she said, nodding jerkily. Good. All right. And the Ravenclaws, too, if they haven't already organized something. Ginevra said, They haven't. All right. Good. We'll all arrange a meeting time. "'And I will need it,' I declared, eyes shining. This was perfect. If I had successfully prepared a class of students for their owls, then Dumbledore would have no choice but to give me the DADA position. "'But there's nothing here,' Ron said, staring at the blank wall beside the portrait of Barnabas the Barmy and his dancing trolls. Hermione smirked, head tilted smugly as she began another one of her history lessons. The Room of Requirement only appears under very specific circumstances, since they tried to seal it several centuries ago, but it's definitely there. She began walking, Ron trailing behind her. She turned abruptly, bumping into Ron, and, face reddened with exertion, continued her pacing. I stood still and watched the wall. Recalling the storage room where I'd stashed Ravenclaw's diadem, I frowned. How did you find out about this room again? It's in Hogwarts of History. Good. No one ever reads that book, so my Horcrux was fairly safe. Hermione's eyes sparkled. 
It's a fascinating story, really. Ravenclaw designed this room a few years after founding the school. It could temporarily summon anything off the grounds, and she often used it when preparing a particularly tricky ritual or spell. Of course, it also became quite popular among the students as a recreation center, but it was too enthralling for some, and a few students never came out. They say you can still find their skeletons if you ask it for the right thing. Hermione, you're really not selling me on this room, I said. It doesn't have any sort of enchantment to lure you in. Some people just don't like their lives, I suppose, and I don't have to sell you on it. A door shimmered into existence. It will sell itself well enough. I opened it, peering inside with my wand raised. The arched ceiling rivaled that of the great hall, and wheeled dummies darted about one section, occasionally bumping into sturdier targets. At the far end, a podium overlooked the room. To the side, a bookcase jutted out, connected to the wall by a red velvet curtain. "'Impressive,' I said. "'Oh, isn't it?' she sighed, immediately racing to the bookcase. Ron cast a stunner at one of the dummies, grinning when it flashed bright red and collapsed. "'Wicked!' I wandered about, mentally claiming the podium as my property and taking a head off of a dummy. It promptly regrew it. I wondered if I could instruct the room not to let it do that. I then peered around the curtain. "'Oh, look, there's even a bed in here for when the members are injured!' Hermione squeaked, and a library book thudded against the floor. I frowned. "'Of course, we'll have to get rid of the skeletons first. The grass whispered across my scales as I slithered away from the mansion. I liked it better there. There were more hiding places, but I couldn't hunt Master's minions. I wasn't allowed. I hissed as a scuffling sound caught my attention. Venom pooled in my mouth, and I lunged forward. "'Harry?' I blinked, suddenly aware of the Room of Requirement, which was arranged in its usual position for our study group. Hermione and the other Ravenclaws huddled in the corner, whispering, while the rest of the students practiced their Patronuses. After showing the wand motions I had sat this lesson out, that spell simply did not like me. Neville hovered nearby, ready to bolt at any moment. "'Neville!' I cried, slinging an arm around his shoulder. "'Just the man I wanted to see.' "'Me?' "'Of course,' I said. "'You!' "'Okay, what do you want?' I gave the boy a measuring glance. He'd always been pudgy, his timidity had yet to lessen, his classwork was abysmal, and Neville Longbottom was generally pathetic. Exactly what I wanted. "'I wish to grant you a great favor," I said. "'I will make you the fifth greatest Hogwarts graduate since it was first founded a thousand years ago.' Neville shoved his hands into his pocket, a nervous habit acquired from several years of owning a toad that despised captivity. Fifth? "'Well, there's no beating Dumbledore Voldemort or myself, and Hermione would probably poison you if you outperformed her.' "'You're, you're kidding about this, right?' Neville asked. "'Not at all,' I assured him. "'I will happily do this for you.' All that I ask is that you tell everyone that I was your teacher. All right, he said. I smirked. Our training shall begin when you least expect it. Neville nodded, looking pale. Um, Hermione sent me to get you. You need to sign the contract. I snorted and stalked toward the library. I don't sign magical contracts. Reminder of that. Neville looked as if he might speak for a moment, then scurried away. I noticed a lot of runes when I visited your house— "'I don't suppose you're trying to summon a demon?' Luna asked. A silvery hair hopped behind her, occasionally stopping to sniff the floor. "'Well, not actively,' I said with a modest shrug. "'Oh!' Luna spent a moment staring into space. "'Are you from the future? I don't believe I've ever been quite so taken aback.' "'What?' "'Well, it's just that you get most spells on the first tray, except when they're obscure—' in which case you become upset and take slightly longer than average. 
Also, you know a lot of things that you probably shouldn't. I've never been one to diminish my reputation. It's true. I come from a time not long removed from now, where I am the defense against the Dark Arts Professor at Hogwarts. In my timeline, I successfully defeated Voldemort, but then decided that I could do better. Luna's Patronus jerked its head up, then disappeared. Luna spoke softly. You... you don't have to lie, you know. You could have just told me I was wrong. She departed, her movements less floating than usual. I scowled at her retreating form. Right, she probably wants an apology or something. Ginevra! Ginevra raced from the line of practicing students, and I found myself chuckling at her eagerness. I need you to apologize to Luna for me. All right, the redhead said. What'd you do? I shrugged. I'm not sure. You should probably figure that out before you apologize to her, or you'll look like a jerk. I stormed into Dumbledore's office, summons in hand, and slammed it down upon the old man's desk. I don't care what Umbridge has told you. Pensive memories can be faked, and everyone knows that Veritaserum doesn't work on sociopaths. Dumbledore remained calm, a trait which was as unwavering as it was frustrating. Mr. Potter, I have done nothing, and I will testify to this under Veritaserum. The phoenix screeched in irritation, and I screeched back to establish dominance. Dumbledore said, Mr. Potter, this meeting does not concern Professor Umbridge. Oh, I said. That's good, because I haven't done anything. He offered me a lemon drop. Uh, Yes, I know. You were quite vocal about that earlier. I spoke softly. I don't suppose you're planning to teach me dark magic? His eyes twinkled. No, I'm afraid not, although Miss Weasley did enlighten me about your unique definition for the term. I would have to talk with her about meddling in my affairs without my consent. I made a note of that, and then promptly forgot it when Dumbledore said— "'Have you noticed anything strange lately?' I sank into the seat in front of Dumbledore's desk. "'Well, the ghosts have been whispering among themselves a lot. Do you think they're rebelling?' "'No, that likely has to do with the bloody Baron's death day. I was referring to whether you have experienced something strange lately. Odd visions, voices, urges, anything of that sort,' he prompted. I considered his question. Every few nights I dreamt that I was once again Lord Voldemort, ordering and crucioing my Death Eaters.' Just this morning, I'd missed the entirety of Professor Flitwick's lecture because I was too caught up in daydreaming that I was a man-eating snake, and I'd nearly taken Ron's head off during a recent meeting of our new study group when I felt a sudden and inexplicable flash of rage. For quite possibly the first time in my life, I answered Albus Dumbledore honestly. "'Nothing out of the ordinary?' he frowned. "'Nothing at all?' I shook my head, jumping a bit when the phoenix landed at the desk in front of me. "'Is that a problem?' I asked. "'No, no, it's very good, actually.' I peered into his eyes. "'Really, you seem sort of disappointed about it.' Dumbledore spoke gravely. "'I had suspected that your scar might connect you to Voldemort, allowing you some sort of window into his mind. If this had been the case, then his rebirth would have caused certain side effects to both of you. It seems I was wrong. That I was incorrect is almost certainly for the better.' "'Huh,' I said, yanking my hand away from the phoenix's bite. "'I don't suppose I can leave now?' Dumbledore waved me towards the door. "'Go ahead, though I do hope that Professor Umbridge will have no cause to pay me a visit today.' "'Of course not,' I scoffed. "'I've done nothing.' The phoenix watched me leave with black, judging eyes. "'Lucius!' I cried, waving my minion over to take a seat in front of my previously his desk. Lucius, startled, said, "'My lord!' 
Yes, that is who I am, I said. How are you? Lucius raised a trembling hand. I'm still in pain, and I can't do any paperwork until the nerves heal. Right, the crucialing, I said with a knowing nod. Sorry about that. I had a flash of sudden and inexplicable rage. He frowned. Really, I expected him to be more cheerful since I'd gotten that hair-growth potion. I shrugged off his ungratefulness. I had the weirdest dream yesterday. Lucius dully asked, clearly struggling to hide his curiosity. Was that during the nap you took after crucioing me? I beamed. Yes, that's the one. I was in history of magic, and you were there, and a Weasley— and then we started dueling in the back of the classroom, but Bing didn't stop us because he didn't notice. It angered me greatly. Do you know why? Lucius frowned, smoothing down his hair with a shaking hand. Because you didn't get to Crucio anyone? I laughed. No, no, I just can't stop thinking. Why didn't I do that when I was still a student? Vince probably wouldn't have noticed. Oh, before I forget... One of your peacocks was being insubordinate, so I killed it. Dobby promised to have it ready for dinner, and I'm not actually certain if people eat peacocks, but I imagine the taste of victory will override any unpleasant flavor. Hermione nibbled on the top of her quill, looking at her newly purchased planner. This would be a lot easier if we didn't have to work around your detentions with Umbridge. I consider it recreation at this point, I said. Am I making real progress? She's finally acknowledged that she has no idea how to deal with bongerts. Hermione pinched her lips. Why? She can't even get the one out from under her bed. She jotted something down at the margin. Do I even want to know how you got it under there? Lemon drops, I said. I'm thinking I'll work on werewolves next. You can't put Professor Lupin under Umbridge's bed, she sighed. I was thinking Snape. No, I suppose Lupin would be the better choice. He can deal with the bongert. Harry James Potter! A loud boom echoed through the room of requirement, and we watched, stunned, as a dummy slammed into the wall and fell into pieces. Its head landed in my batch of Felix Felicius with a sickly hiss and a string of black smoke. Finally, Hermione said, Ron? What type of spell was that? A stunner? Ron said. Oh, she said, you uh, might want to put a little less energy into it next time? I said, or you could not do that. Meow, mew, rawr, purr. This was completely ridiculous. Kitten plaints covered Umbridge's wall, constantly mewling and fighting with each other. I usually took my detentions in the DADA classroom, but it hadn't yet recovered from my last detention. I turned away from my parchment and a quill that used actual ink and towards Umbridge, who was pretending to grade papers but primarily watching me fail to write lines. I said, it doesn't matter how many kittens you put on your wall. No one will ever believe you have a soul. That might have seemed a bit harsh. Still, I'd been fighting a strange urge to crucio someone all day, preferably Malfoy, and I needed to vent. She raised an arm, a pink sleeve, swinging perilously close to my inkwell. Well, I hardly think— And the pink! I cried. Wait, of course, you're still using the methods that allowed you to appear normal during your childhood. Unfortunately— the kittens and pink and crooning voice only further alienate you from your current peers. You're sixty-seven, and it's creepy now. Which reminds me, happy birthday. Umbridge's face was beginning to match her robes. She smiled tightly. Are you lying again, Mr. Potter? 
tut, tut. It looks like it. Wait, before you say anything else, I am obligated to inform you that if you assign me any more detentions, I will technically be your apprentice. Detention, she smiled sweetly. A week's worth. Really, Ronald, Hermione exclaimed as we exited the great hall. We were stopped short, however, when Draco Malfoy, along with Crabbe and Goyle, stepped out in front of us. Malfoy, I said, nodding. Potter, he said. Still dragging along the weasel in your pet mudblood, eh? I don't suppose you've rethought my offer for a more fitting companionship? Not really. Have you reconsidered being my minion? Ron laughed at the suggestion, while Hermione nearly growled. She had been getting rather territorial lately. Between her and Ginevra, it was a wonder I'd recruited so many new minions this year. Malfoy snapped. I would never! We clearly had nothing to discuss, since we were once again at a standstill, so I continued walking. Ron nearly tripped, distracted by his shuddering laughter. Malfoy gaped. Hey! Get back here! I turned around, eyebrow quirked. You can't just leave! the blonde said. Right, he hadn't gotten around to talking about his father or his money yet. Ron crossed his arms menacingly, though Malfoy's hulking minions diminished the effect. The redhead said, You bloody well bet we can! Actually, you poor weasel, that is no longer allowed under High Inquisitor Umbridge's rules, Malfoy said. Only two students can be together outside of classes. Three's more than that, Crabbe put in helpfully. Malfoy smirked. So you'll have to split up, or I'll dock points from Gryffindor. Hermione glared, hand flying to her prefect's badge. Prefects are not allowed to dock points from other houses. It's a clear conflict of interest. Ten points for arguing with a member of Umbridge's new inquisitorial squad, who, by the way, can take as many points as they like. He raised a hand at Ron's opening mouth, and are exempt from the three-person rule. I knew he wouldn't stay independent for long. Malfoys were born dominion. Malfoy turns to me triumphantly. I'll give fifty to Slytherin if you agree to an alliance. I'm rooting for Gryffindor now, I said regretfully. Bollocks, he muttered. How'd you even get on this squad, Malfoy? Ron asked. I don't remember hearing anything about it. Well, it's very exclusive. My father, and that's two for two. Hermione sweetly cut in. So you bought your place, then? Malfoy scowled. Umbridge just prefers a better quality of wizard. Oh, my apologies, she crooned. Nepotism, I can't say I'm surprised. That's how you get everything else. Your place on the Quidditch team, your spot as a prefect. Jealous, Granger? Malfoy asked. Not at all. I can't even imagine how exhausting it must be to realize that you simply aren't good enough for anything. A very Dumbledore gleam lit her eyes. That must be the reason you're in Slytherin, too. After all, you don't exactly fit the requirements very well. You're simple-minded, unsubtle, and unambitious. Typical Hufflepuff traits, I said. Hermione ignored me, too focused on the kill. You're pure blood, I suppose, presuming your mother didn't— Malfoy trembled with rage. Shut up, mudblood! He threw the first spell, but Hermione was the one that caught the attention. Admittedly, that wasn't as unreasonable as it might have seemed. She could be positively vicious when aimed at an acceptable target. Hermione slammed the Room of Requirements door shut, startling me from target practice, with Neville as the target. So, I asked, shooting a spell over my shoulder, how was detention? Fine, she hissed. I frowned. You used that charm I showed you, right? Because if you didn't, then that would be really dumb, and I didn't take you for some sort of Hufflepuff. In the distance, a Hufflepuff blew the head off of a dummy. Hermione said, yes, I used the glove. Did she bleed? 
I prompted. Yes, Harry, she bloody well bled, she shouted. And then Malfoy waited outside to take more points for injuring a teacher because he's a great big git. She stormed towards the library. A skull her knickers in a twist, Ron asked, absent-mindedly shooting a curse at Neville. I shrugged. I don't— Wait, never mind, I think I know. I wandered over to the library's table, smiling uneasily as Hermione glared up from her hastily acquired book. She said, What? Right, how to approach this? I'd never had someone willing to have this discussion with me when I was a confused, pubescent boy. Hermione, you are a beautiful, brilliant young woman, and it's natural for you to have certain urges. Her eyes widened. Harry, you do not have to— I forged on. You might look around at some of your classmates who are wealthy and attractive and want, very badly, to crush them beneath your heel. Hermione blinked a few times in quick succession. I have to admit that was absolutely not where I thought this conversation was going. I smiled, placing a hand on her shoulder. When you see someone like Malfoy, all you want is for him to kneel down and kiss your robes. Harry, I don't want that. That would be horrible. I shook my head. No, see, you're making this a good and evil thing. It's not. This is about power. He has it, and you want him to give you that power and suffer for keeping it from you for so long. She pouted. Honestly, I just want him to stop bothering me and possibly never speak again. If he was your minion, you could make him do those things. Hermione took a deep breath, then sighed gustily. I don't think you understand this, so I'm just going to explain it as simply as possible. He's a git, and I don't like him. Of course he is, he's only fifteen. One day, Malfoy is going to realize just how much he wants to be your minion, and he is going to feel so embarrassed about all this. Hermione groaned, burying her face in her hands. I threw the doors open, storming into Lucius's great hall, formal dining room, ballroom, long high-ceilinged room, which made my voice echo menacingly. I declared, Welcome, my dearest, most loyal servants. Suddenly I noticed the nearly empty room. Lucius clutched his snick-headed cane tightly. Severus, meanwhile, remained stoic. I'm still not entirely certain that he experiences emotion. I've never found any while using legitimacy. I scowled. Where is the rest of my inner circle? Indisposed, my lord, Severus drawled. What could possibly be more important than attending to me? I snapped. That idiot crab doesn't even have a job. I could kill him for this insult. Severus smirked. Actually, you did kill him several months ago. Half forward thinking of me, I settled on to my new throne, made with a pile of Malfoy portraits. To my delight, they wailed every time I sat down. What about Wilkes? He died during the last war, Severus said. I stroked my chin. Zabini. Lucius anxiously petted his hair, as he often does. His wife got him. I gripped my wand, lazily pointing it at Lucius. Rosier. The blonde fell to his knees in a grovel. You killed him an hour ago, my lord. Wait, did I? I'm well aware of that. I was testing you. Severus watched me impassively. Of course, my lord. I said, What about Bellatrix, then? I'm quite certain I didn't kill her. She is an Azkaban, Severus said. Oh. I tapped my wand against my chin thoughtfully. Why? You likely recall that she is a Death Eater. Severus said. Plenty of people are Death Eaters, 
I said. They aren't in Azkaban. Well, yes, Lucius said. But Benetrix admitted to it. Benetrix never struck me as a Hufflepuff, I muttered. Why would she be so stupid? There wasn't much point in denying her involvement, Snape drawled. When they caught her, she was busy torturing the Longbottoms into insanity. Yes, she did always like that. So she's been in there for... Thirteen years, Lucius said helpfully. I leaned back on my throne, smiling as the Malfoy ancestors groaned underneath me. That's pretty long. We should do something about that. Hermione received the morning prophet, eyes immediately skimming the byline for Rita Skeeter. She soon relaxed, evidence that the front-page articles were written by someone else. Satisfied, the girl turned her gaze to the headline and cursed. I'm not sure she's ever done that before. You all right, Marnie? Ron asked. She said, There's been a jailbreak at Azkaban. All the Death Eaters have escaped. Ron began to smile, then frowned, then settled for his usual confused expression. Well, that's good, right? Yeah, a bunch of Death Eaters are probably going to attack us, more than usual, I mean, but at least now they can't say that you know who isn't back. Hermione crumpled the paper, hissing, They're blaming it on Sirius Black. Well, to be fair, it could have been Black, I said. He hasn't tried to kill me in months, which just doesn't seem like him. He must be plotting something in his spare time. Harry, this is serious. Ron grinned through a mouthful of mashed-up toast. Or it could be serious, you know, like, serious, but Hermione said, not the time. Also finished chewing. Some of the absolute worst people from the last war could be coming here. The Mulcibers, Augustus Rookwood, Hagrid, Bellatrix of Strange. Harry, are you even listening to me? I startled back into reality. Oh, yes, sorry, just had a sudden feeling of deja vu. Hermione huffed, shoving away her half-eaten breakfast to make room for a book on hexes. I stopped by the room of requirement after detention, disappointed to find Neville collapsed on the ground. Neville, why are you running? I can't, he panted. Too much. I'm trying to make you a legend here, I said. I thought you wanted that. I guess, Neville muttered. Then why are you giving up already? I asked, feeling a bit like Hermione. It's not helping me with my magic, Neville said. All this running around. I scowled. Neville had completely misinterpreted this offer, but everyone now knew that he was my student. I had no intention of failing now. I never said anything about magic, just being great. Also killing evil wizards. Or good wizards, depending on whether you decide to join up with Hermione. Ginevra, who was helping a Ravenclaw with his spellwork, shouted, Hermione's studying right now, but she said that, if you said that, I should mention that she is an evil. Regardless of Hermione's lies, I said, physical prowess is a rarely used but surprisingly effective tool for destroying your enemies. Most wizards cannot handle close-quarters combat. Even the most incompetent wizard can excel if he's good with a sword or something. Just look at Godric Gryffindor. Neville blinked. Oh, okay. It was nice to tell someone something without Hermione around to complain about fact-checking or non-existent sources or common sense. He frowned, standing. Why don't you exercise? Oh, that's because I'm actually good at magic. Neville swayed on his feet, looking miserable again. I'm not sure why. I'd done a perfectly good job cheering him up. A quiet voice said, Don't worry, Neville. Raxburns are attracted to the pollen on your clothes. You would probably be fine in a colder climate. I beamed, whirling around to find Luna Lovegood. You're back! I presume you got Geneva's apology? She nodded. Yes, she seemed very sincere about it. Good, good, I said while Neville trudged away from us. Is there anything else I can help you with? 
I've just been wondering, are you a Department of Mysteries spy? I frowned, curbing the urge to build my legend. Why do you think that? I would expect Harry Potter to get special training, but they wouldn't want anyone to know about that, so they sent a spy in his place. Also, you're friends with a lot of important people, the Weasleys, the smartest girl in our generation, the son of Voldemort's right-hand man. Sirius Black had a son? Was it Ron? It was probably Ron. No, I mean Draco Malfoy, although I suppose he could be Black's son, she said thoughtfully. Oh, he's not my friend. Really? Luna hummed to herself. There's also the Longbottom heir and the Quibbler editor's daughter. I legitimately have no idea which one that is, I admitted. She stared at me with wide, pale eyes. Me. Right. So you're not a spy, then? I chuckled. Of course not. Hermione's the spy. The Department of Mysteries wouldn't send two spies. Luna pouted. Harry, Hermione isn't a spy for the Department of Mysteries. That would be silly. I hardly think this is necessary, McGonagall said, lips thinned with annoyance. Umbridge merely followed the other woman into her office. She tittered. Now, now, Minerva, I observed all of the werewolves' career advice sessions. We wouldn't want any insinuations of favoritism now, would we? That werewolf is my colleague, McGonagall spat. Also, that's just a silly rumor among the students. They've been calling him a vampire for years. Well, they do say that children are intuitive about these things, she said. McGonagall raised an eyebrow, sitting primly behind her desk. I suspect they had little experience with children. I lowered my invisibility cloak's hood. It was a wonder it had lasted this long. Of course, Dumbledore had likely lied about his age, as he often does. Umbridge squeaked in fright, and McGonagall's mouth twitched upwards. She asked, "'Here for our meeting, Mr. Potter?' "'Of course,' I said. "'You're quite early,' McGonagall remarked. I shrugged. I was excited. She nearly smiled, but caught herself just in time. Two hours early, in fact.' "'Incredibly excited,' I clarified. Also, I have detention in two hours. I imagine most students would have used this as an excuse to skip detention, she said. I smiled, taking a seat in front of her desk. Now, that's all right. I like detention. It wouldn't be nearly as fun if I followed the professor's instructions, but unlike the other students, I have no fear of expulsion. Dumbledore would never allow me that far from his domain. Ah, McGonagall said. Tell me, Mr. Potter, what is your opinion on Professor Umbridge's presence at this meeting? It seems reasonable to me. I said. Umbridge smirked. Thank you. After all, that's perfectly within her rights as my master. If she was at any other students' meetings, however, that would be weird. It was nice to see Umbridge scowling again. Her smile gave me the heebie-jeebies. Umbridge turned to McGonagall and said, I simply do not understand why you've allowed a clearly mentally ill boy to go untreated for so long while under your care. Mr. Porter is simply a child, Dolores. It's no surprise you don't understand that since you have so very little experience in teaching. McGonagall turned smoothly back to me. Now, Mr. Fulton, have you given any thought to your future career? Of course, I said, beaming. I'm going to be the defense against the dark arts professor at Hogwarts. McGonagall was silent for a few moments, no doubt impressed by how astutely I'd chosen my career path. And are you certain that's a wise decision, Mr. Potter? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good at defense, and I'm great with kids. I'd been surrounded by them for the past several years, and not one child had suffered irreparable harm while under my care. This is particularly impressive, because I lead them into dangerous situations all the time. Besides, I said, the position's always open. And that doesn't concern you, McGonagall prodded. Umbridge scribbled something on her notepad. No, not at all. I've survived everything that got rid of the last ones. 
and I wasn't very well going to murder myself. Perhaps Mr. Potter would be suited for a more— Umbridge coughed lightly. Simple position. I hardly think the stresses of professorship would be well suited to his delicate mind, and his delinquent tendencies are hardly fitting for the post. You're the only person who ever gives me detention, I pointed out. I could easily argue that the problem is not me, but you. I would be lying, of course. Snape still docked points from Slytherin for my misconduct. McGonagall had devised a method of punishment whereby my favourite desserts would go unmade for days after any particular concerning transgressions, and Filch had actively avoided me since my only detention with him back in second year. That's ridiculous. You earn those detentions through your disrespect. And you earn my disrespect by being a terrible teacher. I explained. So if you would stop doing that, you wouldn't have to put up with my detentions any more. Detention, she hissed, stubborn as ever. I shrugged. Besides, I would have thought you would approve of my choice to take your job. Why else would you make me your apprentice? The rest of the Gryffindor's career advice meetings had to be postponed, because Umbridge exploded McGonagall's office. As I explained to Umbridge during my later detention, her temper was one of many traits that made her such a terrible choice for defense against the Dark Arts professor. "'No, not the bubblehead charm,' Hermione muttered. "'Nearly everyone knows it already, and the few that don't can learn it from the others during the self-guided period. I, hmm, did Neville ever figure out the Patronus?' It took me a moment to realize that Hermione was no longer talking to herself. I said, "'Doesn't really matter. We've given up on magic for Neville.' "'Honestly, Harry, he can't just give up on magic. They go to a school for magic. Actually, we go to a school for witches and wizards. Neville has more traditional talents, like swordsmanship.' Hermione glanced up from her half-filled planner. I didn't know Neville could use a sword. He's working on it. I nodded to the other end of the room, where Neville was hacking at a dummy with a sword. Hermione's lips pursed. Is that a real sword? I said, I suppose that depends on your definition of real. Yes, it cuts things, but the room may have created it solely to fulfill our wishes. We walked over to Neville, and Neville waved her low with his sword. Hermione gasped, eyes wide. "'Oh, Merlin, a, a Gryffindor! Oh, my!' "'Are you all right?' he asked. "'I didn't cut you or anything, right? I, I don't think I was that close, but it might be magic. Well, more magic than—' "'Give it to me. I'd like to examine it,' she said weakly. He did so, and it disappeared. Hermione stared at her empty hands. "'Well, you've destroyed it. How is Neville supposed to become good at anything now?' I grumbled. The sword appeared in Neville's grasp. Hermione leaned forward, sucking air in through her large teeth. "'This is the sword of Gryffindor!' I snatched it from Neville, growling as it once again disappeared. A crowd had begun to gather, mumbling and eyeing Neville enviously each time the sword reappeared in his hands. Someone would make a grab for it, only for it to vanish again and again. Above the commotion, Dumbledore's phoenix perched, watching us, as it always does. "'The sword of Gryffindor can only be wielded by those who are worthy of the house,' Hermione explained. Finally, licking his lips nervously, Ron took the sword from Neville. He stared at it in awe. "'I feel like Merlin, from that story with the stone in the sword.' "'You mean King Arthur, Ronald?' Hermione said. "'No,' he said. "'I mean Merlin. Who's that other bloke?' I crept through the dungeons, feeling like a man-eating snake stalking its prey. Sidling closer, I whispered, "'Psst! Draco! Draco!' "'Drake!' Malfoy jumped, head-whipping about him. "'Bloody hell! Potter, what are you doing?' "'I'm invisible,' Malfoy snorted. "'Yes, Potter, I'm aware that you're invisible. You're always invisible. What I want to know is why you're in the Slytherin common room.' I smirked. I followed someone in. 
Or maybe I guessed the password. Or maybe I hit at the wall and it let me in. Or maybe I'm the heir of Slytherin. The castle recognises my right to be here. I won't tell you which one. I'm sneaky like that. Potter, everyone can hear you talking, he pointed out. My eyes widened at his idiocy, and I derisively said, You don't have a silencing charm up. What are you, a squib? He flicked his wand. You're not the heir of Slytherin. Are you sure about that? I hissed at him. Ah, He cocked an eyebrow. Really, Potter? If I'd had a snake, that would have gone a lot better, I informed him. This is primarily true because the snake would have latched onto Malfoy's face, and he would have been too distracted to insult me. Sure, Malfoy said. So have you finally decided to drop the blood traitor and mudblood? I shook my invisible head. No, I've spent far too much time training them. I would appreciate it if you didn't mention this to Hermione, though. I don't know what's going on between you two, but I refuse to involve myself in your lover's spat. Malfoy's face wrinkled in a very Weasley fashion. Me and Granger, that's disgusting, Potter. Twenty points from Gryffindor for making me picture that. I frowned, realized he couldn't see it, and frowned harder. Malfoy, you can't do that. Potter, I know that you occasionally miss the simple facts of reality, so let me explain this to you. I'm a member of the Inquisitorial Squad, and we're allowed to take points— I don't mean it like that, I interrupted. I mean you literally cannot take points from Gryffindor. Gryffindor has no points. The only house that still has points is Slytherin. The only person who even cares anymore is you. I'm telling you this because some people seem to think we're friends. So you being dumb makes me look bad. He sneered. I am— No! Hear me out on this. This is literally the worst example of cheating I've ever seen. You've made your group pointless, much like Gryffindor House, and everyone hates you. Even the other Slytherins hate you, because you've all but stated that the only way your house could win the cup is if you cheat, which, to be fair, is true, because you haven't done well in Quidditch since I bought the other three teams' new brooms without burdening them with terrible seekers. Potter! He shouted through the silencing charm, but it was too late. I was already gone. I sat at the head of the Malfoy table, atop my throne of wailing portraits, and watched my recently freed followers. Rookwood was struggling to Imperio a spoon. The Lestrange brothers had slipped under the tablecloth, hissing at anyone who came too close. Hagrid was looking about as if he'd never seen any of us before, and had been incredibly violent until Severus reminded him of his status. They'd entered Azkaban as perfectly competent, if slightly sociopathic, followers, and left it as raving lunatics. Bellatrix, in contrast, had entered as a raving lunatic, and left slightly mellowed. I took a bite of cake, and then, slightly nauseous, set down my fork. Benetrix! Yes, my love? I mean, my lord? She crooned, batting her eyes. Unfortunately, some things even the Dementors cannot cure. Stop dosing Dobby's cakes with love potion. I like cake. Dose something I like slightly less, such as the turkey. But everyone eats the turkey, Benetrix whined. I raised an eyebrow, baffled. Then one of them might love you. I'm pretty sure that's what you want. She pouted, stealing a bite of my cake. I legitimately had no idea what she was upset about this time. I wasn't some sort of seer. I paused, right to the prophecy. I should probably go get that. Plus, it would be a nice excuse to get Bellatrix out of the house and finally have some cake that hadn't been tampered with. Bellatrix, I said, I need you to break into the Department of Mysteries. Try to be subtle about it, will you? Neville, Hermione said, staring coolly down the sword pointed at her nose. Really? Neville flushed, stumbling backward into the room of requirement and dropping the sword of Gryffindor. I'm sorry, it's just Harry— She raised her hands to silence him and stalked forward. Hermione hissed, Harry James Potter, what are you doing? 
Neville is dropping from the ceiling to attack people. Umbridge is prowling the school looking for you, and why is there a phoenix on your head? I reached upwards to pat Fox, grateful for the invisible glove charm which protected me from his bites. Yeah, he's been following me around for a while. I asked Dumbledore, and he said something about migratory patterns. He might think I'm another phoenix or something? Dumbledore wasn't very clear. He never is. I think he's trying to build a nest from my hair, Ginevra chirped, rubbing her bald spot. I smiled. Now, Hermione, what's got you so upset? She grabbed her wand, snarling. I just told you when was the first thing that upset you. That's usually the only one that matters. Hermione said, Malfoy tried to arrest me for being your friend or something like that. Apparently that's one of Umbridge's new rules. I raised an eyebrow. You escaped? No, I'm secretly Umbridge, Polyjutus Hermione Granger, she said flatly. My eyes widened. That's what I get for trusting Neville without offense. I raised my wand. Sarcasm! she shouted. I eyed her suspiciously, peering into her eyes for signs of the imperious. Atop my skull, Fawkes did the same. Right, if she used Polyjuice, Umbridge would turn into your true, older form. Honestly, Harry, I am not a spy. I banished Malfoy on top of the lake and came straight here. They did get more water in that lake, right? Because it's really deep. The phoenix trilled in agreement. Ginevra called from across the room. The lake's been full for over a year. You just don't go outside. And Malfoy can swim? I inquired. Hermione pursed her lips. Well, if he can't, I imagine he'll learn. I placed a hand on her shoulder. Hermione, I'm concerned about how emotionally invested you're getting in this relationship. I'm, I'm starting to think that you're not in love with Malfoy after all. Hermione gaped. Why did you ever think that? I hated to ask this question so bluntly, especially considering the possible damage even voicing the possibility could do to her reputation, but I had to be sure. Is Draco Malfoy your rival? She carefully evaded the question, confirming my worst fears. I just think he's an awful person. So that's a yes. You could do better than that, I said, despairing. Malfoy is pathetic. Treating him as any sort of equal reflects poorly on you and everyone you associate with. Primarily me. You're kidding me, she said. He's not, Ginevra cried, causing Fox to flap his wings menacingly. I said, my rival, for instance, is the Dark Lord Voldemort. He tries to kill you, Hermione said. He's not your rival. Snape, then, I acquiesced. Previously it was Dumbledore. You could do better. Maybe Neville. Hermione glanced towards Neville, who had once again scaled the wall and was fiercely watching the door. Harry, I don't want a rival. If I was in your shoes, I'd be doubtful, too, I reassured her. But Neville is really improving. I think the two of you would be good for each other. No, I seriously don't want one. Also, I like Neville. With a panicked look, she hastily added, "'He's my friend,' I chuckled. "'Not a problem. Plenty of people don't like Neville. You can ask them about it.' "'No. Also, you never did explain why he's guarding the door,' Hermione said. I twirled my wand, smirking. "'We're expecting an attack. The twins again?' "'No, not a Weasley this time. Ginevra's contacts have informed us that we have a leak. One of the Ravenclaws has gone rogue. Umbridge could arrive at any minute.' A minute later, Umbridge stormed through the door and the phoenix dived forward, talons extended. It took some time to dislodge Fawkes from Umbridge and clean up the freshly spilled cauldron of Felix Felicis. The whole process would have gone a lot quicker if the inquisitorial squad hadn't just stood by and laughed. At least our traitor, Edgecombe, had the excuse that she was trying to hide her pimply face. Umbridge adjusted her badly shredded robes. Hem, hem. Yes, Professor? I asked, distracted by the phoenix digging its claws into my shoulder and hissing at Umbridge. Apparently he liked her. Umbridge said, 
Would you like to explain, Mr. Potter, just what all of this is? We weren't learning anything in class, so we decided to form a study group. We call it the Defense Against the Dark Art Study Group for Not Failing Our Owls, or the Didaskin of Owls for short. Most of us caught the DA, Ginevra chirped. Unfortunately, that's as many letters as they can remember, I said. Umbridge smiled tightly. I suppose I'm not surprised at this behavior from you, Mr. Potter. As I'm certain you know, this subversive organization goes against several of the High Inquisitor's proclamations. Are you talking about yourself in the third person? I think it's the first sign of insanity, I said. I never do that when talking about myself, or any of my other selves. She continued, lips pinched. Nor has it gained my approval. According to school rules, it has, I interrupted. As your apprentice and therefore teaching assistant, I am allowed to schedule additional classes for struggling students, which, due to your complete dearth of talent in the realm of teaching, is all of them. Umbridge gave a breathy little sigh. Mr. Potter, regardless of your worrying delusions, you are not my apprentice. See, that's where you're wrong. Hermione! Hermione glanced up from her place hunched over the library's table. There are actually several passages in the Hogwarts rulebook which ensure that professors cannot overburden their charges with out-of-class work. This includes writing assignments, such as those served during your detentions. We passed the allowable point for a normal student months ago. In fact, I warned you that if you gave me one more detention, I would be your apprentice. And then you did that. According to magic, that's consent. It is, Ginevra enthusiastically agreed. That's completely ridiculous, Umbridge hissed. You can't just create an apprenticeship without anyone knowing about it. Of course not, I said. That would be silly. However, everyone here hates you because you're an awful person. I tried to fix that, but upon consultation with my companions, I have come to the baffling conclusion that you just don't care. Everyone, luckily, includes Albus Dumbledore, who signed off on my apprenticeship. Umbridge giggled, a deeply unsettling sound. So the headmaster is involved in this illicit— I growled in annoyance, Fox echoing the noise. No, it's me, entirely me. Dumbledore will not steal my credit for this. Ginevra laid a hand on my empty and therefore less dangerous shoulder. Also, it's technically on the up and up, since Harry's your apprentice, and you haven't forbidden him from doing anything. Umbridge's eyes gleamed, reminding me uncomfortably of Dumbledore. In that case, you're no longer allowed to lead this little group of yours. As my master, you have the right to give me that order, I acknowledged and I have the right to pass on leadership to my apprentice, Neville Longbottom. Neville? Neville grinned. I'd be glad to. Thanks for the vote of confidence. I shrugged. We've only got a month left before owls. How much damage could you do? An idiot like that, Malfoy drawled. You'd be surprised. Neville raised his sword menacingly. I gestured for him to stand down. Don't worry, he's only saying that because he's in love with Hermione. Hermione and Malfoy squawked in indignation, then glared at each other for daring to do so at the same moment. Young love, I'll never understand it. Umbridge's face slowly grew pink as we ignored her. She cried, I'm disbanding this group this instant. You can do that, I said. The real question is, would that be a good decision for you? After the sixth time, it seemed that Umbridge had finally come to recognize when I'd set a trap for her. She raised her eyebrows. What? Precisely, does that mean? You are also technically a member of the Dadastang of Owls. I'm still not entirely sure how Ginevra got your signature, but it's on the same contract as Edgecombe's, I said. Edgecombe peeked up at us, revealing the word sneak written across her face. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to— I raised a hand to silence her. Therefore, your betrayal 
will be met with the same consequences, along with whatever Hermione has added during this conversation. I'm thirteen punishments in, but I'm still working on the loss of magic clause, Hermione said. Ron handed her another inkwell, and she stopped writing for a moment to smile at him. You really expect me to believe that a fifteen-year-old girl managed this? Sixteen, Ginevra corrected. I learned a great deal from the Goblet of Fire. Also, the Ravenclaws helped, Hermione said. Edgecombe whimpered, burying her face in her hands. Ron said, I think she's done with the squib part. Umbridge paled. I shall not allow— I'll be careful about what you say next, I advised her. I'm not certain what Hermione's definition of betrayal is, but I have no doubt that the results will be disturbing to us all. She's bloody scary sometimes, Ron said, a goofy grin on his face. Umbridge finally acknowledged defeat. How do I get out of it? There's no way out once your signature is on the contract, since it was signed with your blood, Hermione said thoughtfully. Of course, it only has so extensive a range. Umbridge's nose wrinkled as if she'd tasted something sour. Fine, I'll leave Hogwarts. Oh, it's not that small. You'll need to go to the continent, at least. Fox squawked angrily, and Hermione continued. Although I may have overpowered it a bit, staying out of Europe would be safest. I smirked. You should probably go. There's a clause which allows Hermione to activate the betrayal clause at any time, and she, like Dumbledore, hates you. Fox accompanied Umbridge on her way out, screeching and scratching all the way. After the Inquisitorial squad departed and Edgecombe returned to the hospital wing, there was no longer a need to present a unified front. I shooed Hermione towards the library. Hermione, I'm your best friend, and I support you regardless of who you are. But that would be a lot easier if you would stop lying to yourself and everyone around you. Hermione laughed. I'm presuming this isn't what it sounds like? I sighed. Clearly I was going to have to spell this out for her. You maimed Edgecombe. It'll go away when she leaves Hogwarts, she muttered. Besides, she deserves it, bloody sneak. Hermione, they used Veritas Serum on her. And they only managed that because she'd gone to the hospital wing after Neville tried to use magic again, I said. His stubbornness would be the death of us all. Hermione stuttered. She what? I mean, I didn't realize that the contract would have that effect unless the betrayal was willing. I just wanted vengeance. I finished gravely. You wanted vengeance for an act that hadn't even been committed yet. I didn't want people to betray us, Hermione said. I shook my head, sighing. See, that would have made sense if you'd actually told people about the betrayal clause. Then it would serve as a deterrent. But you didn't tell anyone. I know. I checked with Ginevra. Hermione began sniffling. She always does this, hoping to distract from her misdeeds. I said, I think that you didn't tell anyone because you wanted someone to betray us just so you could hurt them without consequence. You're wrong. I'll fix Edgecombe, Hermione said. It shouldn't be too hard to reverse engineer. See, this is the problem. You're trying to convince everyone that you're a good person, but you're just innately malicious. Rather than fight your inner evil, you're ignoring it. That isn't healthy. Hermione ran away crying, still clinging to her denial. Ron waited for Neville to wave him on with his sword before nervously approaching me. Ah, uh, mate, I was just with Hermione. She seems pretty upset. She says you think she's evil or something? No, I said. He grinned, speaking before I was finished. Well, that's a relief, because I know she's evil. Ron gaped. Hermione's not evil. She's actually pretty nice. She usually 
curb Sir Roger's, I said, and that's admirable, but she's getting worse with time. If she keeps denying it, then people are going to get hurt. Important people. People who aren't Edgecombe. But she follows a lot of rules, way more than us, and she's really upset when we break them, Ron said. I shook my head. When Hermione does break rules, however, she has no distinction between stupid ones and basic human decency. Remember when she wanted to kidnap and interrogate those Slytherins, or when she tortured that reporter? No. Clearly Hermione had already obliviated him, covering up her crimes by erasing all evidence that they'd ever occurred. Of course, she'd been wise enough not to try such tampering with me. Well, those things happened. Hermione usually follows the rules because she doesn't have a moral code. She does. She cares about house elves and stuff. Ron said. I snorted. Ron, the house elves don't care about themselves. They're perfectly happy where they are, but Hermione is interfering because of some weird muggle rule against slavery. Someone who understood moral nuance would realize that the most humane thing is to leave them be. Ron wrinkled his weaselly face, grumbling. I do that thing where you say something, and then you argue about it and give lots of evidence. Then later it turns out you're just wrong and you made up all the evidence? No, I'm definitely right this time, I assured him. Ron seemed very confused and somewhat deflated. I set a hand on his shoulder, motioning Neville to do the same. He used the sword, but that was close enough. I smiled. Look, we all have innate parts of our nature that we may only work around. Hermione is evil, you're a Weasley, and I am so good at lying that I sometimes fool myself. Ron's mouth fell open. You know about that? Well, yeah, people have mentioned it. I can't cite any specific examples, but I presumed it's happened. "'Ron's not a werewolf!' Ginevra shouted. "'Right, yes, I had often lied to cover for Ron's lycanthropy.' I continued. "'The point is that Hermione, when not guided by rules, automatically does things that are incredibly cruel without even noticing.' Ron shook his head. "'Right, I should probably go talk to Hermione. She'll explain why you're wrong. At least, I hope she will.' "'You shouldn't think something just because she tells you to,' I said. "'Ron should think things because I tell him to.' The next morning, Hermione still wasn't speaking to me, stubbornly eating breakfast at the very edge of the Gryffindor table. "'She can't last for long,' Ginevra assured me. "'We're only friends. The Ravenclaws are scared of her now. You've prejudiced her enough against Hufflepuffs that she's never gotten to know any. And the only Slytherin she talks to is Malfoy, the social isolation she'd get to her in a couple of days.' Ron said, "'I wish you would talk to one of us, at least. I didn't even call her evil, really.' "'She's talking to me,' Neville muttered into his eggs. Luna hummed an agreement. She's talking to me, too, I think. But she just said that Fudge didn't have an army of heliopaths because they don't exist. So now I'm not talking to her until she or Ron apologizes. What should I have to apologize? Ron grumbled. I sighed, shaking my head. Eventually Hermione will realize that we're doing this for her own good. For now, we'll simply have to put up with her stubbornness. An angry barn owl descended upon our table with the morning rush, clicking its beak at Luna, who smiled and gave it a canard. Ron said, I thought your dad owned the quibbler. He does, Ginevra said as Luna carefully removed the paper from the owl's claws. Then why'd you get the profit? Most of it isn't true, Luna said, but it's good for a laugh. I nodded. Right, that makes sense. Also, I've been meaning to ask, why are you at the Gryffindor table? Hermione says that it's not against any rules. She glanced at the profit. Oh, it's about us. Ginevra grinned, hopping a little in her seat, and she took a swig of pumpkin juice. Ron grabbed the paper from Luna, revealing the headline, Umbridge Attacks Apprentice Flees Country Resigns in Disgrace. A very weaselly frown crossed Ron's face. Ginny, what'd you do? I apologized, Ginevra said. You what? I said. 
I sent a letter for you to Rita Skeeter, apologizing on behalf of Dumbledore for lying to us all and Hermione for trying to kill her. Without my permission? Well, I figured that if it didn't work, we could always say that I was a minion of one of your political enemies, she said. It did, though. So I'm your publicist now. Of course, I did have to make a few concessions to get this article through. You have to do an interview this summer, and Skeeter gets to attend our wedding. I glanced up for the newspaper. What was that last demand? She beamed. You've got an interview. Right, I muttered. I can do that. Neville whistled, looking at his own edition. There was a break at the ministry, and it didn't even get mentioned until the third page. Apparently it was a total bloodbath, one of the other Gryffindors chimed in. Probably serious Black's fault. Oh, right, Ginevra said. I forgot to mention that I also apologized to the Prophet's editor. I frowned. Huh, I don't think I've done anything to him. He didn't either, she said. He was really flattered. I stalked about the Malfoy parlour, sneering down at the brunette kneeling on the floor. Benedrix, you have once again failed me. Not only were you unable to find the prophecy, but you were also incredibly unsubtle about your search. Now everyone knows of your mission. Benedrix pouted. But my lord, I didn't leave a single witness. Yes, I'm aware that you killed everyone in the building. I massaged my brow. I'm glad you had a nice time, but that is, again, not what I asked you to do. Luckily, you can redeem yourself. I'll do anything, my lord, she sighed. The old fool is already interviewing for next year's defense professor. Her eyes shone as I explained my plan. Dumbledore is interviewing for the DADA position, I said. Ginevra's eyes widened. Hey, I didn't hear about that at all. I smirked. Yes, well, I had a dream about it. Down the table, Hermione huffed into her textbook. This was the closest she'd come to talking to me in the past few days, so I considered it progress. I continued. I asked Snape this morning, and he assures me that it's true. I can only assume that the dream was prophetic, and that my diligent study of divination has finally paid off. So you're gonna go see who the next person who wants to kill us is? Ron asked. I stared at him. He shrugged. Well, it's true, innit? Neville frowned. If Dumbledore has a professor now, then does that mean he'll be gone by this June or this time next year? Or can he go for most of next year, too? I shrugged. Magic is mysterious. While you're visiting Dumbledore, you should probably get official backing for the DA, too, Ginevra said. Now that Umbridge is gone, we don't have any professor sponsoring us. Technically, I'm still a teaching assistant until Dumbledore hires a new professor, I said. I might be able to get something more permanent, though. Ginevra, what's the current passwords to Dumbledore's office? Ginevra grinned. Chocolate frogs. The blonde witch skipped up the revolving staircase, oblivious to my invisible presence behind her. It was difficult to say if this was the result of her incompetence or my immense skill, probably both. I sank to the floor of Dumbledore's office, leaning against a wall as the witch flounced into a chair with an obnoxious giggle. Claws digging into my shoulder, Fox also watched. His beady black eyes seemed hungry as they darted between Dumbledore and the blonde. "'I'm so glad to meet you, Headmaster,' the witch gushed. Dumbledore's eyes twinkled. "'Congratulations, Miss Farfelu.' "'Tee-hee!' Farfelu giggled. "'Why are you congratulating me?' Dumbledore clapped his hands together, beaming. "'You're our newest defense against the Dark Arts Professor, of course.' "'I don't—tee-hee! Understand! I thought this was an interview!' I don't believe that's necessary, dear girl. You seem perfectly suited to the position. Farfelu pouted. 
but I'm not sure about taking it. I mean, I haven't even talked to my husband yet, and he's wanted the position forever. Tell him to apply next year, Dumbledore said brightly. Although, if I recall correctly, your resume mentioned that you were unmarried. I am. He's uh, dead. Dumbledore nodded. I see. Encourage him to apply anyway. We have quite a few ghosts on staff, and, as my dear friend Cuthbert Baines always says, being dead is no reason to stop living. I'll tell him that, the blonde murmured. Still, I'm not sure I'm interested. Dumbledore manipulated his features into a crestfallen expression. I'm very sorry, my dear, but I'm afraid you've already agreed. Farfalia leapt to her feet, whipping out her wand to point it at Dumbledore's nose. The old man watched calmly, still smiling. "'What did you do?' Farfelu growled, and then, after a short pause, added, "'Tee, it was in the contract that you signed earlier, you see.' The blonde sat down with a huff. "'The one that I had to sign to get the interview?' Dumbledore nodded. "'Indeed, I'm afraid it had to be a clause that you would be the DADA teacher for a full school year, with your continued employment based upon my discretion.' "'That wasn't in the contract at all, Tee.' she cried. It was invisible and written in the margins, but I'm afraid that it is magically binding. At that moment, Fox darted off my shoulder and out of the invisibility cloak, headed straight for Dumbledore's face. Dumbledore absent-mindedly set up a shield. He turned to his new professor, explaining, He's really very fond of me. The blonde pushed back her chair with a loud screech, though that only garnered the phoenix's attention. It gave her a hard stare, then turned back to pecking at Dumbledore's shield. "'This is all so very sudden,' she said. "'I'd hope to get a tour of the castle first, and maybe meet some of my future colleagues.' "'No worries. You can do all of that now that you've been hired,' Dumbledore reassured her. Severus would gladly show you— "'I suppose you could spare Sybil Trelawney. I've been dying to meet her since I was just a girl, you know.' Farfelu batted her eyes, the gesture sending a familiar shiver down my spine. It was identical to a flirting Bellatrix, I should know.' With all the love potions she's fed me, I've spent a cumulative fifteen minutes infatuated with her. Dumbledore glanced in my direction, but said, Yes, I believe Sybil's class should be ending shortly. Do you need an escort? Tee <laughs> No, I'm fine, thanks. Farfelu skipped out of Dumbledore's office and down the revolving staircase. Dumbledore turned his attention toward my corner of the room, quirking an eyebrow. Mr. Potter, don't you have potions at this time? I whipped off the cloak, grumbling. I don't know why I should attend if Snape doesn't. He is covering for Umbridge's defense class and cannot attend, Dumbledore said. I offered to take over the class, I said, permanently, if possible. I applaud your ambition, but I cannot hire a professor who has yet to take his owls. I stood up and approached his desk. I'll have taken my owls by the time next term starts. I would prefer it if you took your notes as well. Dumbledore said, obviously devising requirements solely to keep me from my dream. Also, I've already chosen a professor for next term. I frowned. Oh, come on, she's obviously a Death Eater. Why would you think that? Dumbledore had to raise his voice over Fox's increasingly furious attacks on his shield. Well, you hired her for a start, I said. You always hired Death Eaters. Quirrell, Moody, Hagrid, Lupin, Dumbledore said. Professor Lupin was not a Death Eater. I snorted. Werewolf Wright was a founding principle of the Death Eaters. All the werewolves worked for Voldemort. I can assure you that Professor Lupin worked for me. He was probably a spy then, I said. In fact, I'm pretty sure he was. I had plenty of spies in the Order of the Phoenix. And you ignored my late professors, such as Gilderoy Lockhart, Dumbledore said. 
I stared at him gravely, and even the phoenix slowed its assault. I think we both know that there won't be any more Lockhart's. He was the bravest man I ever knew. Dumbledore sighed, smoothing down his magenta robes. Nevertheless, I suspect that Professor Farfelu will be a wonderful teacher, and may even be willing to continue your apprenticeship. There was a whoosh of green flame from Dumbledore's fireplace, and Severus's enormous head downly regarded us. Headmaster, it appears that Farfelu has abducted your divination professor and fled the castle. Dumbledore paused for a moment. You're certain that someone else did not abduct both of them? Severus raised an eyebrow. I presume you're going to fire her? I suppose that will be wise. Yes, I believe I will. Dumbledore stroked his beard to comfort himself. Severus climbed out of the fireplace, the soot hidden by his black robes. I suspected this would happen. I didn't warn you because I didn't actually expect you to hire her. After all, she was obviously a Death Eater. See? I said. Even Snape agrees with me, and he would know he's a Death Eater too. Severus snorted. She tried to curse a student for walking beside her, and she bears an uncanny resemblance to Bellatrix Lestrange. To be fair, I said, most wizards are related. They could just be cousins or something. Also, her only reference was Lucius Malfoy, he continued. He was quite complimentary, Dumbledore said. Severus watched Dumbledore with a calculating glint in his eyes. Since I am now the only applicant— I applied, I said. The only applicant, Severus ground out. I presume that you will finally allow me to assume my desired position, Dumbledore said. Well, I suppose. I don't know where I'll get another potions, Professor, though. There aren't many potions masters around these days. There was no danger of Severus breaking the curse because he was a terrible teacher. Still, I refused to admit defeat. I could teach potions. Potter, you're failing the class. Severus drawled. Right, and that's not your fault at all, I said. You still haven't taken your owls, Dumbledore reminded me. Fine, I spat. Divination, then. I'm great at divination. I saw all of this coming. And then they just kicked me out. Not even listening to what I had to say. For all they knew, I could have given a prophecy that said how to defeat the Dark Lord, but I wasn't going to tell them because they were total gits. Hermione, you're not being a very good friend right now. You've got the listening part right, I suppose, but you haven't tried to comfort me at all. I've been talking for ten minutes. It would be a lot easier to have this conversation if she hadn't barricaded herself inside Myrtle's loo. Hermione's muffled voice called. Go away, Harry! See, you're talking now, but you're also being unnecessarily cruel. Hermione groaned. I said, oh, you're still upset about the evil thing. It's been over a week. I assumed you'd gotten over that by now. Hey, I know something that'll cheer you up. Voldemort kidnapped Trelawney. Why would that make me happy? I'm not evil. I idly twirled my wand between my fingers, grinning. Now you're not thinking this through. Voldemort captured her because she's a seer. He doesn't know her like we do. He thinks she's good. He'll listen to everything she says. More silence. I thought, perhaps wishfully, that it was a thoughtful one. Remember what happened during my third divination class— It'll be a lot like that, but Voldemort won't be throwing stunners. I fear he'll take out half his ranks in a week. I had to strain to hear Hermione through the door. Harry, why do you think that Voldemort wants Trelawney because she's a seer? Why do you think he'll listen to her at all? I had a dream about it. She snorted derisively. Honestly, Harry, you can't assume something just because... Wait, did this dream happen before or after Trelawney was kidnapped? 
A few days before, I said. Hermione hummed, and I could hear her getting to her feet. This dream involved Voldemort? Yeah, most of my dreams do, I said. She spoke slowly. In these dreams, are you an invisible observer? No, I'm very involved. Actually, come to think that I might be Voldemort. After a moment, I clarified, in those dreams. I could hear Hermione's building excitement. And this is new, isn't it? Just the last year or so? They were a lot more vivid, I admitted. The door swung open then, and Hermione emerged with a Cheshire cat-like grin. She hurried past me, shouting, I'll be in the library! I smirked. I knew the Trelawney thing would cheer her up. The room of requirement was quiet, with only Neville, Ginevra, Ron, and I inside. There was no gaggle of practicing students, no Hermione making lesson plans, and the latest Felix Felicius brewing disaster had been mopped up a few hours earlier. Even Fawkes had returned to Dumbledore, content to watch and periodically attack him. The room darkened to match our somber mood. The last DA meeting, Ginevra sighed. It's been a good run. Neville said, We can always do it again next year. Ginevra giggled. Maybe we won't have to. Our new defense professor might actually be good. We all burst out into laughter, of which mine was the loudest and longest lasting. The room of requirements walls shivered merrily along with us, and we watched it fondly. Ron said, It's quite pathetic that it's just us here. We could have gotten a bunch more people to come if Hermione had let me get far whiskey from the twins. Ginevra sent a stinging hex towards Ron. Neville was technically in the way, but he automatically twisted to avoid it. Ron glared at the younger Weasley. What was that for? The redhead beamed. Hermione is in here, so I'm covering for her. Neville smiled, ducking his head slightly as if to hide it. It's funny. Before, she wasn't talking to you guys because you called her evil. Now she's not talking to anyone because she's in the middle of another project. Everything's back to normal, then, I said happily. Except the temperature's gone, so it's better. Ginevra said, Can you believe we actually saved her life? Wait, what? Well, all the defense professors either die or leave. We made sure that she left, so that means she didn't die, she explained. Neville's face darkened. She probably would have died in the Bellatrix Lestrange attack. That incident had actually been pretty tame for Bellatrix. Only three students were sent to the hospital wing. Ron grinned. Heh, guess we beat the curse, then. A dreamy voice spoke from behind us. Actually, we were the curse. Luna, I cried. Have you been? Thinking, Luna said. I'm pretty sure I figured out your secret. I laughed condescendingly, but quickly erected a silencing charm. Obliviating one person is difficult enough. I didn't need to add Neville and his insane dodging abilities into the mix. Go on, then. Luna took a deep breath before saying, When you were a little baby, did Voldemort accidentally put a part of his soul in you, causing both of your souls to merge, so that you have all of his memories and will never acknowledge that you're not the same person because it's too central to your self-image? I blinked in shock. Unable to properly address the pure insanity that is Luna Lovegood, I know. Why would you ever think that? Well, it's just that you talk about doing terrible things a lot, but then you rarely do. You're wrong again, I said. Luna pouted, crossing her arms. I give up then. I sighed. If I didn't give her some sort of explanation, she might think up something closer to the truth, or worse, talk to Hermione about it. Why can't it just be an eccentric genius? who was otherwise perfectly normal. She hummed thoughtfully. Well, I suppose you could be, but that doesn't sound very narratively satisfying. Luna, this isn't a story, I said. Luna said, Oh, right, I forget sometimes. 
chuckling, I slung an arm around her shoulders and cancelled the silencing charm. The others were waiting by the door, and the dummies waved goodbye as we closed it behind us. With that, our end-of-year meeting of the Didastica Fowls came to a close. I waved one of Dobby's cakes in front of my best minion, careful to keep it hidden from Pincer's suspicious gaze. The frizzy hair parted to reveal a sniffing noise, then wide, dark-rimmed eyes. Hermione Granger looked like something from the Forbidden Forest. Hermione, I said, you still understand English, right? Hermione's eyes brightened, and she indignantly said, Of course I understand English. Good, I begin to fear you've gone feral, I said. Hermione rolled her eyes, breaking a chunk of cake from the slice in front of her. She dropped it onto her tongue with a blissful sigh. I frowned. Have you eaten at all in the past few days? Of course, she said. Really, are you sure you haven't forgotten? Because that seems like something you would do. You've either been here or taken your hours for the past week, and I haven't seen you in the great hall. Hermione smiled. Careful there, Harry, I might start to think you cared. Oh, thank you for the warning. I wouldn't want to give her a false impression, after all. Honesty is very important in a master-minion relationship. Really, though, I have eaten. The house elves have been sneaking in food after hours. And you've been sleeping here. Yes, I'm aware. I waved off for explanations. I admire your dedication to never leaving the library. I have similar feelings about Hogwarts. But I do need my invisibility cloak back. Hermione riffled through her bag in search of the starry fabric. Any particular reason? Primarily that it's mine, I said. Right, she murmured, handing it to me. Hermione turned back to her open book, rapidly flipping pages. I glanced around the nearly abandoned library and said, The leaving feast is starting soon. I presume you're coming. Can't. Madame Pince doesn't loan out library books this late in the year. I scowled. You have to come. It's the last feast of the year. Yes, that is what leaving feast means. Hermione flipped another page. All of our friends are going to be there. Uh-huh. I said, I'm giving a speech. Hermione ignored me. If you don't put down the book and come with me, I'll tell Pinch that you've been eating in the library. Her head jerked up in horror. But Harry— So that's a yes, then? But I still haven't figured out what's wrong with you, she whined. People have been trying to figure that one out for decades, I said. You're not going to manage it in one night. But your visions can remain a mystery until September, I said. Unless you want me to plant crumbs between some of the book's pages. With a pout, Hermione shut the tome. You're evil. I smirked. Well, that makes two of us, then. She chased me across the castle, hexing all the way. Still, they were only mildly painful, and we ended our fight in the Great Hall. Dumbledore was finishing his end-of-term speech when Hermione and I arrived. Before we feel our bearings, Harry Potter would like to say a few words. I nodded towards Dumbledore and strode to the front of the room. Smiling at the crowd's uneasy murmuring, I said, Hello, fellow students. As you all know, Umbridge apprenticed me earlier in the school year. Since she has fled the continent, that leaves me in charge of her former duties. I've already gotten rid of the educational decrees, the students cheered, and reinstated Professor Snape. A few groans responded to that statement. I had been reluctant to rehire the man, but though there were many legitimate reasons to fire him, being a werewolf was not one of them. Now it has come time to destroy the last of Umbridge's unwelcome additions to this school. In the crowd, Draco Malfoy scowled. I would like to officially disband the Inquisitorial Squad. The silver eyes on the members' robes poofed away in a cloud of smoke while the rest of the school celebrated. I have more to say, I said. You see, I have a few last-minute points to announce. Albus Dumbledore had set a dangerous precedent. 
Some students decided to go above and beyond the requirements of their professors. When faced with a terrible teacher, they chose to learn outside of the classroom. Under the tutelage of me, Harry Potter, they have each learned much and are likely the only students who didn't fail their hours this year. As such, I would like to award 100 points to each student who participated in my study group. The Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Gryffindor hourglasses filled with gems. I smirked. I believe this calls for a change of decorations. Congratulations, Ravenclaw! With a flick of my wand, the room turned bronze and blue. There was cheering at all four tables. Presumably this is because the Slytherins knew exactly what we were going to do to them after they won. Of course, the Weasley twins were conspicuously absent from the Gryffindor table, so the Slytherins' relief would be short-lived. I cleared my throat. One last thing! The hall immediately quieted down as I turned to the Slytherin table. That, Draco, is how you cheat. Is this place any safer, Madame Trelawney? I asked, pacing the length of our latest headquarters. This only took about thirty seconds, and I stepped on no less than three followers along the way. Trelawney raised a hand to her cheek. Oh, it is difficult, you know, to call upon the whispers of fate. She is a fickle thing. Lucius anxiously looked out the window. My lord, I don't think that this location is particularly safe. I waved away his concerns. Nonsense! Our oracle will inform us of any danger. He said, My home has far greater protections. If we had remained there— We would have all died. Trelawney saw the grim in her teacup. We've been over this. Trelawney danced around my followers, who lounged on the floor, and placed her crystal ball on a roughly constructed wooden table. She peered into its depths, humming thoughtfully. We leaned forward, awaiting her visions. Her voice was high and breathy. Yes, yes, this shall do. Benetrix dove for the only bed, hissing and hexing until everyone else had scrambled to the floor. Nagini had formed some sort of nest in the fireplace. Lucius summoned a house-elf to make the place livable. Hagrid watched, bemused, from a gargantuan chair. Trelawney's eyes were round and wide behind her glasses. She whispered, at least for now. Groaning, my Death Eaters settled in for a night at Hagrid's hut. End of chapter 7 For the full text of this and other stories by the same author, visit the fanfiction.net and archive of our own pages of Emerald Ashes. First Pass Editing by Ohana. The music is Playground by Ruja Sounds. That's R-U-E-S-C-H-E dash sounds. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.